Hello and welcome to Legends of the New Republic, the Star Wars Legends Book Club podcast. I'm David, one of your hosts, and today we are continuing our trek through Truce Epicura by Kathy Tires. And I'm Chris. I have yet to be killed and replaced by a better clone of myself. And I'm Jason, and I finally found my book this week. Woo! <laughs> and I'm Kat, and I am a better clone of myself. I'm Jay. Since Kat is back, I have lost my title of best girl. And that's fine. You know, that's fine. <laughs> that's... I'm just I'm just happy to be on this podcast. I'll, I'm, I'm sitting here still waiting for that first Twi'lek appearance. You know, Twi'leks are great. It's never happening. They don't exist <laughs> in Star Wars. I might be waiting for a little bit yet. But... Star Wars doesn't like your Twi'leks. <laughs> but the fanboys do. The fanboys love them. The fanboys love them say, a lot. It is almost impossible to safely Google search the word Twi'lek in it any is, sense. It is not at all safe to search that word almost <laughs> in any context. I know because I was once trying to find character art for an RPG character and it was very oh, difficult. Yeah, same story. <laughs> That's what safe search is for, guys. Come and on. Safe search didn't work. <laughs> so... Safe so, has little holes in it sometimes. My uh, my character in my Wednesday about. night group is a a female Pantoran, and even oh, no. like <laughs> even searching like female Pantoran pictures, it ends up coming with like smutty toilets. I'm like, wait, wait, no, wrong. <laughs> Look, wrong not what I want. Completely different species. <laughs> I really right. just want you to like do an excluded search where like everything but smutty outfits of twilight <laughs> and just watch nothing but that pop up in your feed and you're like it's i like, just said not oh, this boy. two images it's like wait what how i broke ooh what the hell <laughs> i'm i'm just saying as a girl who likes girls i'm not complaining <laughs> well i mean I, okay i wasn't really complaining anyway except for the fact that it's just not what i was wanting it at the time <laughs> i was busy okay i was trying to focus Oh boy! <laughs> All right. Starting so off chapter here. twelve is where we're starting off this week, and uh, well, chapter twelve starts off with Luke having a heck of a day trying to get the Bakurans to repair Rebel A wings, which I have to note is weird to me because a, why would you let them know how to build A wings? And B, yeah, how would they know how to fix A wings? <laughs> answer to both those questions. According to the Star Wars canon, A-Wings, X-Wings, and Y-Wings are essentially like the Rebel Alliance is fighting with muskets. Uh, they're incredibly, <laughs> incredibly old technology. This has been covered in um, other uh, information, including uh, the specs manual for um, all the ships, uh, which my dad owned and which I took um <laughs> i thought the x-wings were new because didn't they steal the x-wings right yeah. before yavin yeah from like some secret yeah, imperial were, program yeah x-wings are brand new stuff and so were the a-wings actually well hang on as, as far well, as new I, tech versus old, oh, new that, canon versus old canon i can't so remember. so what i'm hearing is that the y-wings are a bit older you have to be a bit older to really appreciate the Y-Wings in their prime. Let me finish painting you this lovely mental oh picture because you know I'm great at that. You know that from the Wookiee incident. So, uh, yeah. Okay, let's just, see what happens. I just, you know how sometimes older, 
older bands and older songs, kind of like older technologies, are kind of put up on a pedestal by some people. So out there in the Star Wars universe, there's some older mechanic who makes model Y-wings for fun out of scrap. And meanwhile, he's got this, this really hip band from back when he was in his prime playing in his ears, and it's, tell me why, wing. See, here I thought it was going to get kinky, and then I realized, no, there's no way to make Y-Wings kinky, and I was right. Don't say that on the internet. Someone will try, and they will succeed. I'm sorry, you said a stupid... Uh, so as, as Luke a... returns from his day trying to get the A-Wings <laughs> David desperately trying David to land this amorphous creature. <laughs> David's just desperately with his lasso trying to rein us back in. <laughs> and we're all going in different directions. It's like that Welcome scene to Legends in Rat of Tattoo the New Republic, the, an exercise in herding cats. And the rats all run in different directions. So. <laughs> his apartment's guarded by a pair of stormtroopers, which, you know, Makes how sense. awkward must that be? <laughs> Plus, he's exhausted and his judgment isn't the best at this point. So he actually starts drawing his lightsaber on them before he realizes that they're guarding his room. You say so he it's because this... he's tired. I say it's because he's a Skywalker and every single one of them <laughs> operates on the strand of, I see a person, it is time to fight. <laughs> it's this weird, awkward moment, too, because he stops, puts his lightsaber back, and he's like, uh... Sorry, force of habit. And the stormtrooper's just like, understood. Yeah, I and the stormtrooper's just like, like yeah, ha, force troopers. I'm so mad that this got cut from the audiobook. <laughs> I'm so mad. Why did they choose? To, why did they cut this from the audiobook? I love that. Like, such I really, a good it was so scene. ridiculous. I really wish that the stormtrooper just became super chill. Like, it was like like that guy from The Office that you're like, oh, I love you. It's, like, it's, it's, better in the, it's better than the scene in the new trilogy when Rey uses her Jedi powers for the first time on that stormtrooper. And but she's it's like, Daniel and Craig. She, and, and she's like, and no, and it's like, Angel, drop your weapon. And he's just like really casually, and I'm dropping my weapon. <laughs> I love that scene, but mostly because it's Daniel Craig. True. See, my personal interpretation is that the mind control didn't work at all. Daniel Craig Stormtrooper was just way too chill. <laughs> like, whatever, they're not paying me enough for this. I was a bomb. enough to deal with delusional people. <laughs> it's not even a Stormtrooper. It's just Daniel Craig really lost after falling through a wormhole. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, I guess I am in this show now. Um, good stuff, everybody. He, he's the actor that plays, or did play James Bond for a bit, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, Still and he's also is. in Knives Out, which I love. So his people actually zoomed in on his helmet in the Star Wars movie, and his number is actually JB007. Oh, that's incredible. I did yeah. not know that. So... So yeah, he's he's storm. All right, now now I'm going to have to go write the fan fiction adventures of JB 007 No, no, you the don't. First Order's greatest yes, spy. Yes, you do, David. You are <laughs> actually. I guess he would be the Resistance's greatest now. spy, David. I because why would he be a stormtrooper if he was a spy for the First Order? I guarantee that exists somewhere, and I'm almost entirely certain you don't want to read it. <laughs> <laughs> Valid My name point. Is Eb Ebony Dementia Darkness Way. <laughs> no, please and thank you. Please stop. 
Hey guys, it's six thirty, and we haven't really done. Yeah, I know we've gotten through two at points. In our defense, so we were doing the room we past the coolest chillest stormtrooper of all time, and uh, he's trying to kind of chill after his day a little bit. He's sort of sorting through all the things that he needs to do. He does comment on the fact that it's like heaven to Uncle Owen here because it's raining. And uh, this is just casually normal for the people of this planet. And looks like this would have been like the best day of our entire year if it had rained on Tatooine. And I'm like, Luke, how long has it been? And you're not used to rain? You crashed on a swamp planet. No, no, this is like, okay, Luke is like when a North Dakotan goes down to Texas and we go... Ah, oh, you guys don't know what the cold is like. <laughs> whenever there's literally, like, any change in temperature, whenever it drops, we're just like, you don't know cold. We know cold. <laughs> or, alternatively, whenever a Texan comes up to North Dakota and they see their first snow and they're like, it's snowing! <laughs> and, and you're just like, no, this is not yet, No. <laughs> Cat, you literally just described that vine of, oh, it sure is cold outside. You fool! Ah, who are you? You don't know the meaning of cold. Who are you? Why are you in my house? I'm a northerner. Literally, though. That's <laughs> what it's true. like. And let me tell you, Texans who move out here really are just like, there's snow? Okay, so in, 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 the, in the for city. like three or four years, and they're still every single time it starts to snow, they're just like ah! about it. So, in, in the city that I live in, it's kind of on the border between the north and the south. Uh, for starters, we can go through all four seasons in a single week, maybe a single day sometimes, but like. It's so weird because you think we'd have mild temperatures, but no, we get the worst of both. In the summers, it gets up into the triple digits. And sometimes during the winter, not all winters, like this past winter, but sometimes in the winters, it gets into the negatives. And you, you say negatives as if that's abnormal. And I'm sitting here like, <laughs> negative 60. <laughs> and triple like, digits in the summer. It's okay, great. But <laughs> it, it, it's one of the it's what's weird to me <laughs> all I'm saying is that I completely understand where Luke is coming from in That's terms fair. of there's water it exists <laughs> from the sky <laughs> That's very true um what happens next is a slight pet peeve of mine in this book actually um <laughs> Luke hears his doorbell ring, and this is sort of a, a, I guess, one of a number of things that have led me to to finally decide it's time to bring this up. He can't figure out how the door intercom works, so he has to answer the door before he finds out who it is, because he can't figure out a basic piece of technology that was already explained to him. <laughs> and I just feel like this book, as much as I don't think it has actually mischaracterized Luke Skywalker for the most part, doesn't seem to remember most of the time that technology is involved that Luke Skywalker's actual job is fighter pilot. That's his job. Well, like, he well there's a difference between flying an X-Wing and opening a door, David. <laughs> X-Wings don't true, have doors, but his, David. 
But I mean, his six don't do his, his fun thing was going to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. Like, this is not right. the person who's like, let me explain how a door works to you. Like, <laughs> right. He is, I, I would argue the films area. and his prior characterization show enough of a tech savviness <laughs> that him not being able to figure out a door intercom is slightly out of character. So the way the way I in the way I interpret it is that the tech that he's used to is kind of low tech. You know, whatever the scrappers can pick up and sell to them on his home planet. And then, you know, we already established in this episode that the rebel, the rebel fighter plane, the ships are not the most tech savvy. And when I look, when I think of like an, an empire controlled planet, I'm thinking like even out in the boondocks, I'm thinking, okay, they have more modern technology than what Luke is used to. So it didn't really break the immersion immersion too much for me. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I figured, especially since it's, you know, such a drastic difference to most of the other planets he's been on, especially his home planet. And that's fine. I mean, I can see it happen. But, I disagree uh... slightly with David in that I believe that the book does miscategorize Luke in some ways. I think that Luke's character switches drastically from Empire to um, Return of the Jedi. And I feel like this is a very Empire Luke and not a very Return of the Jedi Luke. Um, that being huh. said... I can see what um, I can see the distinction between like a mechanic and a programmer. Like I can yeah, see the I distinction, but like, yeah, there's a difference between being like I can put it together with a hammer and some nails, and being <laughs> like, why does electricity jump from it when I press this button? I I was going to say like Luke is very much a rural type of person, and it's kind of like saying because a redneck or hillbilly dude is great at working on trucks and knows how to do <laughs> mudding and, and how to do money. take apart and put together an engine in his sleep with nothing but uh, two strips of duct tape and the power of God and anime. That he should be able to work for Microsoft, or he should be able to um, easily adapt to using an iPhone when he's had a flip phone his entire life. That's fair. I think the real reason that they did this was so that it can be a surprise to Luke when the door opens and Garia was there. Is That's Luke fair. in a oh. towel? <laughs> She's not in a towel. No, <laughs> is Luke in a towel? Is Luke in a towel? No, Luke Luke is not in the towel. Luke is in his greasy mechanic coveralls. Same difference. <laughs> um, so Gariel has come to warn him, as we found out last chapter, that Narius is intending to hand him over to the Sea Rook. But she also says she knows Narius well enough to know that he's going to go for the double screw and not let them have him alive. Somehow he intends to kill Luke and still hand him over to the Sea Rook in a way that will get them to leave. And Luke's um, kind of like, yeah, okay. Yeah, this is my life. I'm I'm used to this. If there's not three people trying like, to kill me, I'm looking for the third. That's nice and all, but you are a pretty <laughs> lady and you are outside my door. <laughs> yes, he is still very lovestruck and, or at least, you know, puppy love. <laughs> but she's concerned that he can read her mind and that this is an unfair conversational advantage. And Luke explains that's not really how the Force works. And that he only gets flashes of feeling and kind of her emotions through the force, which yeah, is still a little bit of an He that to her advantage. like four or five times through these. Yeah, she just doesn't really chapters. believe him. Um, 
But he finally decides enough is enough, and he's actually going to just kind of speak a little bit more openly about this romantic tension between them. And he tries to be as eloquent as possible, um, but he realizes he's not Leia. And so he basically says, look, (laughs) he basically says, look, I like you, and I think you like me, and we have this problem of your religion. And so they get into a discussion about, like, is us possible at all? Wait, wait, hold on. Is this is this the conversation where they have like some kind of jammer that they have to turn off every few they seconds? They do. Yeah, she brings and the jammer. And then they have to like have like casual conversation in between. This is that part, right? Okay, I don't remember. Yes. I don't remember them talking about the relationship. I just remember them talking about uh what are we going to do about this whole uh they want me dead and or alive thing. It kind of weaves back and forth because Luke starts off trying to talk. Like, basically, Luke's goal was to talk about emotions and feelings and and love. And Gariel's goal was to steer the conversation back onto how do we stop this situation from developing any further into a problem. And both of them keep having to stop and talk about inane things every few seconds because Gariel has brought a bubble developer, or not a bubble developer, but like a device that creates a, an anti-sensing bubble, like a, an anti-bug device, basically. So every few seconds, they turn it on, and they can talk for a few seconds about what they really want to talk to, but it will raise suspicions if the bugs aren't picking anything up for too long. So they keep having to flip it on and off and switch between an inane conversation and two different real conversations they want to be having. <laughs> I just realized something. This book is playing 3D chess with my heart? No, Luke, <laughs> oh. Luke is that guy in a girl's dm who keeps trying to bring the conversation back to nudes maybe like Uh, i don't think so i mean he's he's... well i mean like she's clearly trying to think talk about something else and he's just like oh yeah romance isn't it great right but here's the thing as somebody who has dealt with threats to my life and safety before i totally get where luke is coming from on this where it's like yeah that's fine but have you considered i need to know whether or not this is going to work between us because i really like you and yes i understand you're terrified for my life and safety don't worry about it it's fine it's gonna be fine i either die or i don't die Here's the thing. Anxiety is worse. <laughs> Best ship dynamic. I found my new favorite ship dynamic. <laughs> I actually think that's a, a really good way to put it because it's not that Gariel doesn't want to talk about romance and Luke does. It's Gariel <laughs> is interested in having the romance conversation. She's a little bit like my religion for business, but mostly she's like, I just told you someone's trying to kill you. Why do you care? <laughs> I just love that. I, she's a little bit like my religion forbids this. Like this is a minor hiccup. <laughs> Well, it's like the, Luke's Luke's point is to kind of convince her that um, the Force is not bad and that being a Jedi isn't evil. He's not out to prove her religion wrong, necessarily. He just wants to have a legitimate dialogue about it because they haven't talked about it at all. And so I actually feel like this is a really good scene for both of them as a character or like as characterization because mm-hmm. okay, they both yeah. manage to have a legitimate point. They both have um, very intelligent points for and against the other's points uh, and they both actually come off as intelligent and sincere in a scene that very easily could have just been Gariel protesting too much about well we can't be in love because my religion and instead we went for 
building up her intelligence and her actual like character as a person who is a legitimate senator um, versus just you know protesting because she doesn't want to have to have the love conversation. Um, well, I'm making not her even protesting because, of her because she doesn't want to have the love conversation. It's protesting because she has legitimate concerns and, and ethical issues with Jedi mm-hmm. that need okay. to be addressed beforehand. Right, exactly. Okay, I think I really think I need to re-listen to that conversation because I'm 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 remembering like maybe half or two thirds of this. I'm not I'm definitely not remembering all of it. Is it so it's possible some of it got abridged on out. the death part or because you were focusing on the love part? Well it's <laughs> either this is a fair just, point. It's either just I was being distracted by something or I haven't listened to it enough to have it kind of sunk in yet, or they abridged it. And, uh, and so, okay. Okay. You guys, whenever I, I, we have to do new chapters. I don't listen to just those chapters. I go back to the very beginning and I listen to the whole book up through where we're supposed to read because You know, with them being abridged, I'm trying to get as much information crammed into my noggin as possible. (laughs) Uh, My suspicion is that this got abridged pretty heavily because it's a long conversation and it's not strictly related to the plot of this book. Yeah, it was a fairly short conversation in the audiobook. They were just kind of like, you know, business is business and then we go our separate ways. Yeah, there's... There's a lot in here that I don't quite remember either. Because I remember the the first time I went through this book, it was as an audiobook, and it was the old abridged audiobook. So there is a lot of stuff as I'm reading through here that is kind of like, okay, I don't remember that from the last time. Well, granted, it's also been like 20 years or so since I listened to it, so there's not much that I remember. I really liked during this scene that basically Gariel's argument for the Force for having these force powers that Luke does being a moral problem for her is that her religion in all things basically teaches that you should um, not take more of anything for yourself than you need because that's taking away from others. So whether that's food, possessions, money, power, or the force's abilities and the force's you know presence, um, she basically says that's that's a morally wrong thing to do because she's you're a away. communist. <laughs> she can't no the thing is she can't take more of Luke than she deserves because she has to leave some for everybody <laughs> wow I, I, does this I'm wait, just saying wait, it's, wait, it's wait, according wait, to wait, her wait, religion wait, does this mean confirm polyamory polyamorous character I, in Star Wars clearly I, I have I'm, no idea <laughs> but what we do see then Luke I, say is his counterpoint is basically well look Evil is always going to take more power than it needs. Like, the you know, the dark side is always going to concentrate power into a few individuals. And is it not better for the light side to have someone who can stand up to that? And I don't know the moral, like, you know, I don't know that that stands up from a moral perspective. But at this stage in his development, Luke is not exactly a philosopher. So I think it's interesting that we went for Luke trying to puzzle this out with the mind of a soldier who has just had to fight for his entire like adult life, basically. And his, his stance is a very like 
guardian defender stance of, well, the dark side will always be strong, so we need to, you know, using the force to stop those people is not evil, even if it means having more force powers. And I thought that was interesting. It's, because It's kind of like a the ends justify the means kind of approach. Yeah, and it's interesting to see that this is where he stands right now because he definitely won't be standing there later in canon and that, or later in Legends at least. And then at the very end of Legends, he'll swing very hard the other direction in some very badly mischaracterizing books. It's such a weird take on force abilities. Um, even for Luke, just because he knows that the force moves through everything. So it's not mm-hmm. actually that he's taking anything to begin right. with. He's just aware of it and he's, can he's kind of manipulate it. There's he's, a he's... difference. It's like telling farmers, hey, no, actually, you can't grow useful food there because you're taking too much. And it's like, that's that's not what's happening. Yeah. Well, I think that Luke of several years down the line would probably have come up with that. But yeah. Luke at this stage, whether this is an intentional like characterization or not, it hasn't quite got the maturity and wisdom of understanding to make it, to, to put those points together himself. He still thinks very much like a rebel soldier and much less like a Jedi. He does have like moments, like obviously the throne room scene in Return of the Jedi is him sort of beginning to crack out of that eggshell and, and emerge as a Jedi. But he still has moments where he's definitely not kind of all there philosophically. Like he doesn't understand it all because obviously Yoda and Obi-Wan are mostly just trying to teach him how to stop Darth Vader. They're not teaching him everything that he needs to know about being a Jedi during the course of the two movies. Right now, right now, Luke is essentially uh, dead Jedi uh, Aaron DeVoy, so... <laughs> well, that's funny because the next thing that happens after uh, they have their conversation and Gariel ends up leaving, although I will point out, it's a good scene from this perspective because the conversation doesn't end conclusively. They don't solve their interpersonal problems. They don't solve whether or not they are actually attracted to each other. There's there's still unresolved things. So it seems like a very real conversation in that sense that they're sort of like, all right, I'm willing to keep having this conversation, but we're not done with this yet. Um, And so troubled Luke leaves his apartment to take a walk and he starts calling out through the force for Yoda and then Ben. And then he tries Anakin and nobody's answering the phone. Um, But Leia hears him and comes out to have a conversation with him. And I at first wrote in my show notes as I was reading, the two talk, building a sibling relationship in place of all the confusion that has come before. For once, the book doesn't awkwardly mention the romantic interest between them and instead tries to develop them as siblings. And then three bullet points, actually two bullet points down, I write, wait, I was wrong. They are going to bring up the sibling man's again. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Because we get a whole two paragraphs in. Before Luke kisses her on the cheek (laughs) in a sibling sense, like in a supportive I am your brother sense, but then happens to have the thought that once they were in love and that that would have meant a lot more in that time. And it's sort of like, Luke, buddy, stop. Just let it die. (laughs) She kissed him in Empire Strikes Back. and She kissed him to make Han Solo jealous. Right, exactly. But... But did you see Luke's face after it happened? Because that was not the face of someone who thinks he's just been used. I I, I literally rewatched the original trilogy just this past week. So I remember hey, in great detail too. exactly what happened. 
Oh, what what did you say, David? Oh, I said I did too. And just, oh, cool. Like, okay. So I guess I don't need to butt in then. But uh, no, feel free. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it was it was very much. I I think it was very much a miscommunication. Um, I think Leia had some kind of interest in Luke at first, considering the fact that he just saved her life and, uh, you know, he was a little less rude than Han was. (laughs) Actually, significantly less rude than Han. I think, like, in her head, she was still trying to figure out which one of them she liked more. That's Mm -hmm. the way I saw it. Um, no, okay, so my reading of the situation is that Leia, in the midst of being rescued, sort of had like a, okay, cool, mm, we'll see, like, you know, maybe there's something here that is well and truly gone by the time we get into the actual film itself, and she is all caught up on the hate-love wagon with Han Solo. And Luke is also over Leia, as he is in the midst of I am now hero boy and dealing with, like, rebellion things. He is ha- He's devoted to his cause. When Leia kisses him in that scene, Luke plays it up to bug Han Solo. <laughs> yeah. I think he definitely does. He that, doesn't play it regardless of how he you read doesn't the rest play of the it scene. up because, like, it doesn't play it up because it's something that he himself is like, oh yes, this is the best thing. I was kissed by the woman. It was like, no, I know that this is going to bother Han, and so I'm going to lean into this to bother my friend. I don't believe that the relationship was actually anything overly romantic, considering Luke never really treats Leia like that moving forward in that in that movie, or even in the next one. His relationship with her is very much like a, hey, we're friends, but we're both doing different things. No, no, it was literally just Luke and Leia mutually deciding, hey, you know what? Sounds like fun. Annoying the hell out of Han Solo. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I want to read it that way because I definitely don't like the sibling romance. And I think it was sort of an accident of not having the plan in place from the beginning, regardless of what George Lucas says. But I don't know. <laughs> the way that I've always kind of interpreted their kind of weird, not really attraction, but like platonic attraction to each other. Like they... they kind of realize very quickly that this other person is important to me. So obviously they're, they're siblings, mm-hmm. they're both Skywalkers, uh, so they're both very Force-sensitive, whether or not Leia realizes it at the time or not. Um, so the way that I've always interpreted their that relationship at the beginning, where they have extremely strong feelings for each other, but they don't quite know how to process that, is them understanding through the force that they are siblings but not quite really under they're not quite really under like like the force is kind of shouting at them that they're siblings but all they kind all they can kind of make out is that right oh this is there's, going to be an important person in my life this um, is a fantastic almost, example of what i was talking about way back in the beginning of this podcast of how being a star wars fan means head cannoning things into a really contorted shape to make them fit with any kind mm-hmm. of semblance of sanity after what we've been given as far as the source material like you just have to mm-hmm. hammer it into shape and be like this is what i decide <laughs> like i have decided that this is what's going on like luke and leia this is their relationship and this is how it works and i love that it opens the door for so many different like 
possibilities about it. Like it's there's no one definite answer of like this is what happened. Like, uh, like I've I, I'm a very I'm a very spiritual person, and I've I've always been extremely sensitive to spiritual things in my in my life, and I had a very similar experience with a very close friend of mine, who. Um, we're not like dating or anything. We're just like extremely close friends. But like the moment we started talking to each other, we both both of us had this kind of feeling of like some kind of recognition of this other person who is a complete stranger. Um, and and I you know it happens in, in, I've heard other examples of it happening you know with like soulmates. Or with mm-hmm. people you knew in a past life, if you believe in that. Um, so there is some kind of real life uh, precedent for kind of what I had described. Right. With, and I, that's why I think it's beautiful. It's well, like and, you can bring your own experiences to it, come out with a different interpretation. And there's not quite enough there in the film to tell you you're wrong or you're right. So all of these options allow you to kind of make Star Wars fit your needs as an art and strictly speaking more than others and strictly speaking even not um even outside of a more spiritual reading um you have all of the studies with twins and twins being separated and reunited later in right. life where you find very similar re- reactions to them um so yeah i mean there's a lot there's a lot of things mm-hmm. there reminds- I, I actually in this scene think that aside from the very brief mention of the sibling man it's also a very good conversation because uh luke and leia have for the first time chronologically after return of the Jedi, an actual sit down conversation as brother and sister, trying to talk out some of their kind of inner thoughts and feelings where Luke is trying to talk to them. Luke talks to her a little bit about her relationship with Han and basically says, you know, I'm glad that you have him, Um, you know, talks about their plans for the future. They talk about kids in the sense that Luke is really worried after his conversation with Gariel because he never really thought about the fact that their family is very strong in the force might mean his kid could become very evil. Um, well, also there's the fact that, you know, there's a bounty on literally everyone in that family's head. So they're right. by having kids, they're putting those kids in danger. There's no, there's no bounty on uncle Owen's head. He's uncle Owen doesn't have a head anymore. Right! That's the point! That's how you know it's fine, because he's dead. (laughs) So I thought it was a really interesting conversation and a really real humanizing moment for both Luke and Leia, with Luke kind of admitting, like, oh, I didn't think about this at all until right now, and now it's kind of overwhelming me, because I not only have to deal with the fact that I'm the only Jedi around, I also have to deal with the fact that I am the one responsible for making sure that my kids don't turn evil, which is interesting in light of the last Jedi, because that is ultimately the responsibility that ends up crushing Luke's spirit is the feeling that he failed to train his, his sister's kid up to be a good person. And that it's his fault that all of that potential is now on the dark side. So I thought it was interesting because it sort of speaks to the fact that Luke's character shines through regardless of what canon you're speaking about. And this is why you don't repress your emotions, kiddies. (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but that's what I love about the Legends Jedi that Luke ends up reforming is one of the key things. There's literally a a short book about it by Timothy Zahn, where Luke basically says, all right, the Jedi used to forbid love, but that's literally the stupidest thing I've ever heard. So we're going to not do that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank I, you. That is one of my favorite Legends books, specifically because Luke actually addresses it and says, no, the Jedi before did this and it was dumb, and we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> it, they did this, and it directly led to yeah. Darth Vader becoming Darth Vader. He's like, this is a rule that literally destroyed the Jedi Order. I'm not going to reimpose it. <laughs> But yeah, the one thing that I find interesting is I, I feel like, and this is again just my personal opinion, in that I love the new Jedi Order of, of Legends more than I like the old Jedi Order. Luke and his Jedi Order is so much less of a organized religion than the old Jedi Order is. Luke doesn't really build the Jedi Order around a set of, of like religious principles in the same way that they did. His is much more like you are a Jedi and something else. Like, you can be a Jedi and then have a day job. Like, being a Jedi just means you have been trained to use the Force in a constructive way by the other Jedi. <laughs> like, they don't they don't hold this idea that, like, they can tell you what to do. In fact, that is actually a pretty major plot point later on in New Jedi Order, is that Luke doesn't feel like he has the authority to tell the Jedi how to behave. So when Jedi start doing things that damage the Republic's view of the Jedi, Luke doesn't feel like it's his place to step in and be like, no, you can't do that, you're a Jedi. Well, I mean, th there's got to be some kind of guidelines. Like, yeah, right, and I think he does come to that point eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't it's just not... give a 12-year-old well... a lightsaber and say, you're a Jedi now. <laughs> Have fun. Don't cut the leg off. We'll get there as we go, and I, I think it'll be a lot of fun to watch the Jedi Order develop in Legends, but... That was my one thing that I wanted to bring up about it because I love the New Jedi Order. Not necessarily the books that are called the New Jedi Order, although I do kind of love them, but I love <laughs> Luke's Jedi Order. Um, so the last part that happens in uh, Chapter 12 is we go back up to Dev on, on board the Sea Rook ships. And he is, once again, being tormented in the worst possible ways and made to forget about it. They are trying to use him to test out some kind of super entechment chair that they can use to have Luke entech lots of people at once from very far away. Um, oh and yeah, we watched I remember them... this part. They didn't yeah, it's horrible. You yeah, want to tell it? It? Uh, it, 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 was, it, it wasn't fun. Um, I'm horribly afraid of needles. Uh, so it, oh, was, yeah. <laughs> it was not a fun listen for me. I was, I was literally shivering at some points. With yeah, it's, a, it's a chair full of needles and restraints and fun. And then just to prove, just to prove the point that they can control Dev and make him do anything with their hypnotism, which is not a force power. They're just very good at hypnotizing people um, and brainwashing them. They want to prove uh, they're, they're basically out to prove that they can do this to the point that they could control Luke. They just tell Dev to stab a knife through his hand and he does it. Jesus. <laughs> and he's just like, all right, we're cool. <laughs> And then they're like, just leave it there for a minute. Wait, and then they have a conversation, and he's just sitting there with a knife in his hand. And they're just like, all right, fine, we'll take it out now. And then they put some, like, bandage on it. <laughs> but he just doesn't care. Hey, David, do you have any blue scale lines you want me to say? <laughs> I don't think he actually <laughs> speaks in this chapter. I think it's Fira Wong that mostly does the talking. Yeah. Uh, but eventually we'll get to hear the wonderful uh, audiobook version of so, Luke Scales' voice. So I have, I have made it very well known that some of the voice, some of the, some of the choices that this voice actor made <laughs> for the audiobook are very interesting. Um, what, what's his name? The, not, not the governor, but like the, the fleet commander, uh, the Navy commander. Oh, Peter Thanis. Yeah. 
He's like, um, I'm sending you the coordinates right now. And he's like, <laughs> he sounds like he's got to blow his nose really badly all the time. And then the governor himself is that, but with a deeper voice. And he's trying, he's like, he's like trying, you can tell he's trying to sound like an asshole. Um, I don't but what think does Blue I Scale sound like well. then? I, I have but, to hear it. Yeah. I don't think I could replicate it right now. Oh, okay. But, uh, <laughs> I, I need to take a few more listens to it and then I can probably do it. All but, right. Well, we'll save that for, for when yeah. the next time we have Blue Scale but, in, the, in the picture. Yeah, the, the, for, for our audience, so we're not keeping them out of the loop. I, I Everyone on the podcast knows, but in the audiobook, they give Blue Scale this really weird Jack Clouseau-esque stereotypical French <laughs> accent. <laughs> And none, none of the other Saruk have it. It's just blue scale. <laughs> it, and I don't know why. That's because blue scale is the, the French velociraptor leader. <laughs> they're not just space dinosaurs. They're French space dinosaurs. No, only him. From French space. There's a French space dinosaur. <laughs> but meanwhile... <laughs> French space dinosaur and some other space dinosaurs are torturing Dev purely for the sake of making sure that their chair won't kill Luke. Um, they make him sit in it for an extended period of time until his legs hurt, and then they torture him to try and get him to struggle so that they can test that he can't break out of the chair. It's really horrible, and Dev Sibawara is one of the most pitiful people in all of Star Wars. Not in a, like, I hate him, he's pitiful sense, in like a, you really do pity Dev Sibawara, because at the end of this all, they just renew him again with their hypnotism, and he doesn't remember any of it. And they tell him the reason that they did this is because it was too painful for him to remember that he was sitting in an internment chair and they didn't let him get sucked into a battle droid. That would be very painful. It, mm. <laughs> I, mm. I'm, now, now that so I think much about it, maybe the I, I are think, the good guys. Honestly, when I look at Dev and I look at Luke, I kind of ship it. <laughs> because... I'm, I genuinely Because he reminds him of his mom? I think Dev is literally the only person in the galaxy who could sub for Luke Skywalker. <laughs> they're both just... That's assuming Luke wants a sub. They're just both so twink... They're just so much twinks in two people. I didn't know you could put that much twink in two people. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, the editor remained sobbing in the corner <laughs> with an explicit tag whacking him in the face. <laughs> and then, and that's then, not all that's whacking him in any way. to be mean, me, and it's just like ironic. He, he could not <laughs> destroy the whatever the line is that Palpatine says. Ironic, he could not he save was so himself powerful, from the very power that he tried to destroy or whatever. He could save others oh from God. explicit conversations, but God. he could, but not, he could save not save himself. himself. Or herself in this case. Yes. Itself. <laughs> Their self. The self in general. Very specific selves. Darth Shark Regus, the wise. <laughs> <laughs> The darkest of all the sharks. I think that needs to be drawn now. <laughs> Someone provide us with the art of shark rangus. I mean, canonically, Darth Plagueis was a mun, so he had never really tall head. 
if like <laughs> I, the only art I've seen of Darth Plagueis is really terrifying because Muns have enormous heads. <laughs> They're like two feet tall, <laughs> but not in a Kiani Mundi way. It's just creepy. Kind of like Snoke, how they did Snoke in the new trilogy. If imagine if Snoke's head was way thinner and taller. <laughs> so like a gray. Um, well, have you have you Hang watched? On, I'm Rebels? gonna Google Darth Plagueis and find a picture because he's really creepy. Have Rebels. Okay, have you at least seen pictures of stuff of it? A few, yes. Uh, did, have you ever seen pictures of the the Inquisitor? Nope. Okay, here's a picture of the cover of the book. Um, Let's see if I can just post this into the recording chat and you can see it. I believe this will work. Yeah. So Darth Plagueis is the guy on the right. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh. Oh. (laughs) Very creepy. I'm so mad this podcast doesn't have any visuals. We can put it in the show notes, maybe. Yeah. Oh, or, or I can, all of you just go Google the words is. Darth Plagueis and the internet will help you spell that correctly and find the book cover of Star Wars Darth Plagueis and you'll know what we're looking at. I will once again stand that book. It's very good. <laughs> I think I'm done for ta- done talking until our outros for a bit. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Are you okay? I, I'm, I'm done talking for a while, guys. <laughs> I... I Jay has been do, broken do a counter up to number three or four, whatever it I is. I will point out that this picture is not to scale. That's not how big Darth Plagueis is compared to Palpatine. <laughs> you should have clarified that first. I just realized why that broke you. No, this, Darth Plagueis is not, his head is not as tall as Palpatine's so it's like entire an, body. It's like a Palpatine projection. Yes, yeah, yes, that's, that's not how big he actually is. You should have started with that, David. Oh my god. I just realized that that was what you were wondering. I was like, I don't understand why this picture is so weird. I'm so mad that I'm laughing right now. I don't want to be laughing. I'm still mad at you, David. I didn't even realize that I was something that you could pick up. I'm looking at it now and I'm like, oh, of course. That's why Jay was surprised. Okay, now you have to Google the picture. You're not going to get why we're all cracking up. Well, that's the end of chapter 12. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Legends of the New Republic. I'm David, and I'm broken, but you can find me on Twitter at aka Agent Shades, on YouTube at YouTube slash C slash The Agent Shades, I think. Uh, Check my Twitter bio, and uh, that's most of where you can find me. And I'm Chris, and one day I will actually um, contribute to some part of this closing podcast section, um, but not anytime soon. And, and I'm Jason. You can find me on Ghost Shark. Oh, actually, you can find me on Twitter as Ghost Shark Twenty. And I'm Cat, and you can find me on Twitter at Seagull Soup. Please don't look for me anywhere else. You will regret it. And I'm Jay, a.k.a. SharkRay24. You can find me on YouTube, Tumblr, and Twitter under that username. Um, I, I, in the past, I say you can find me pretty much anywhere. But 
Uh, people have been asking me if I have an Instagram, and I don't. And I guess I should probably get one because people keep telling me to get one. But, you know, I don't know. I have an Instagram, but I think the only pictures that are actually of me on it are from college, which was like eight years ago. And then there's a bunch Oof, of pictures buddy. of 40K models. Yeah. But um, I guess nice. I, I guess if it means being a 12-year-old with a lightsaber and no rules, I'm going to go <laughs> join the new Jedi Order, guys! 